What's happening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. This is episode 18 featuring Jake Bolton. Jake's a former Holy Cross Crusader and entering his sixth year pro. Played with both Flo and I a bit throughout his hockey career. Um, it was a pleasure to have him on. He's got a great story, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So without wasting any more time, let's get right into it. After it, let's go. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, <clears throat> all right, Bolt. Welcome on to the Monkey Mind Pod. Give us a quick little introduction about yourself. Yeah, so, um, obviously, I played uh, growing up, I actually played in Connecticut for this team called the Lasers. Uh, that my dad actually started this whole organization, it was crazy out of Simsbury, Connecticut. Uh, played there for a while, ended up doing the prep school thing. I had kind of a crazy ride in high school. Um, I went to Loomis Chafee as a true freshman, and I did two years there. And it just wasn't really working out. Like, I think I stepped into that, like, higher-level school environment kind of early and was, like, battling a little bit with school. And then the hockey team was struggling, and I decided to leave. But when I left, uh, it was the midsummer, So, like, all the acceptances for prep schools were over again. So I went back to public high school for a year. And then went back to prep school. I went to Westminster, redid my junior and senior year there. Um, played a year in the EJ and uh, ended up going to Holy Cross for four years and then signed in the Coast my senior year. Um, played, you know, 200 games in the Coast and then uh, just last season decided to go out to Europe. Um, but, no, really appreciate you having you guys on. Like, honestly, having something like this, like, when I was in college would have been huge because – I really didn't know what was going on with me until senior year in college, honestly, was when I really recognized it, which seems pretty late. Uh, and I've been able to make like pretty huge strides over the last four years, like sort of just taking command of myself and uh, like making a lot of personal changes about like how I carry myself and deal with things or whatever. So um, this has been awesome. Like obviously I've been following along. You guys had some great interviews and some stuff that I'll bring up actually about, I know you guys talk about like good ways to deal with it or things that teams can do and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Claps' interview is great. Doc Wally. Um, it's been, you guys have had some pretty cool guests on. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah. No, thanks dude. Um, I th- yeah. <clears throat> I, th- I think Doc Wally's uh, kind of been honestly one of the biggest hits because obviously we have a ton of college hockey uh like guys, but um, obviously Doc Wally's been around for so many teams, so it's yeah. And then just the connection, the connection in hockey too. Like the way I know you guys is so goofy, kind of because like Flo and I actually have kind of a funny story. (laughs) (laughs) People that don't know, I was playing in in Quad City, uh, like my third year in the league, and we used to play Cincy. What felt like every other day. Like, oh. everywhere I went, every time I got traded, like, the first three games were against Cincy. He blows out there, and he, like, he like looks like an animal. Like, he's, like, he's, like, missing his teeth. He's, like, a pretty big dude or whatever. And every game just is all over me, like, fucking chirping at me, like, every whistle. He's, like, trying to like, get me to fight him and stuff. And I ended up a year later, 
And I'm like, I'm standing there like, dude, I'm not a tough guy by any means. Like, I fought like five times my whole career. And Flo was like, this big burly dude, I don't know who he is, like barking at me. I'm like, oh, like, I'm not going to fight you guys. <laughs> I end up getting traded to Worcester. And like our first away game, we get sat next to each other in the locker room. And I'm sitting there like, man, like, do I say something? Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> quick backstory. Both yeah. taps. He like taps me on the leg. You sit next to me in the locker room. It <laughs> just goes, "We good, dude." <laughs> That's all I could think of to say. Dude, not even kidding. He taps me on the leg. He's like, "We good, dude." I'm like, "Yeah, dude." Like, <laughs> listen, like, I'm pretty sure I was like, "Listen, I." I, I like it takes a certain like breed to like enjoy fighting, and I, I like I'm not one of those guys. So like, <laughs> I was like, dude, listen, like, I was just doing what I was told, like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's just crazy how like before he got to Worcester, like, I would see that we're playing like Quad or Greenville, and like, yeah. Fuck this! It, like I might have to go with this guy, <laughs> and then we get to Worcester, dude. And, like he was one of my like closest buddies on this like Yeah, <laughs> like awesome. the only guy that I really like hung up with. Yeah, fuck. Sorry, I'm trying to. Uh, sorry, you'll have to cut that out. I'm trying to figure out how to stand my phone up so it doesn't fall. But that's what's so cool about hockey, man. I actually tell that story all the time because I it literally went from like anytime you get traded, you obviously like look up the roster. And you had been in Cincy for so long. And I looked up the Worcester roster and I saw, like, Anthony Florentino. And I was like, oh, boy. Like, and he's already at the rink the first day that I get there, sitting in the dry stalls. And I walk in and I'm, like, talking to a couple guys. And he's sitting there. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? It's, like, kind of weird. And then that one day, like, we're in the room. And, I'm just like, oh. and he's like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I was just, you know, it's hockey. It's just it is what it is. And then we ended up hanging out, like, every day. Dude, I had you over for a fucking cookout like a month ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that just like awesome. how, like that's how sick hockey is. Like, honestly, you can like <clears throat> play against a guy and think about like bashing his face in, and then he comes to your team, and you guys become legit like boys. Yeah, like it, well, it's crazy. Well, it's just so tight knit. Like the other thing too is like with that wall, like. You were telling me he's like such a good dude, and I have no oh, idea why. But I was playing in quad, and we like hated each other. It started like in wheeling and stuff, and we ended up fighting in that game in Cincy. And then when you and I were talking, you're like, "Oh, he's a great kid, man," or whatever. And I was like, "Yeah, it actually be kind of cool to like chill with him, even though we've like literally thrown hands at each other. Like it's just such a weird community, but it's awesome." <clears throat> yeah, dude. Like, <clears throat> uh, Arvin Atwell. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy, dude, but. Oh, like he's fucking, he's nails, dude. He'll fucking go yeah. anyone. Like he, like <laughs> he backs his shit up. But <laughs> dude, awesome, awesome dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> like and it's so yeah, it's so funny to hear because everyone, like, not everybody, but a lot of guys, like on ice and off ice personas are so different, right? Well, dude, um, it's it's like it's like Turk, uh, Turcot. Yeah, the guy is. <laughs> I, 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 
would bet my life on saying that he's the toughest guy in the league. Yeah. But he might be the sweetest, most genuine person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. I'm not I'm not kidding. Like this guy he's on the ice, you look like and you're on the other like we played against Worcester when I was in Cincy. And yeah. I'm like, dude, this guy is a legit serial killer. Yeah, stay away. And I, I look <laughs> And then I end up in Worcester the year after. This guy's hugging me when I get to the <laughs> rink, dude. He's the fucking... Uh, like, <laughs> away from fighting and hockey, I have the most respect for that guy because of how good of a person he is. Like, he... Like, yeah, he's a fucking killer. Yeah. But... He's a fucking good dude. Like, he reaches out to me all, like, he's reached out to me to, like, see how I'm doing, like, whatever. And, you know, every time I talk to him, dude, it's like, you can tell how genuine of a person he is. <clears throat> and uh, it's obviously a legit blessing to have him on your team because. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That kid. He's got your back. Hands down, the toughest kid I think I've ever played with. Yeah, and that was another funny thing about Worcester is, like, he was nails. And when we played Worcester when I was in Greenville, like, I came out of college, dude. Like, there's no fighting in college. I played in the EJ, which, like, isn't really a big, like, fighting league. And then I come to the coast, and, like, I always grow my beard out during the season, and I'm, like, a pretty big guy. So, like, I would sometimes get targeted by these tough guys, and we had kind of a scrum against Worcester. And Turks was coming over and barking at me. I'm like, dude, I have no business with you at all. <laughs> and then I come to Worcester, and there's my roommate. And, like, the first night, he drags me into his room. He's like, dude, you got to check out my DJ setup. And he's like, pumping his food. <laughs> he's sitting there. Like, what is happening right now? Oh, I, I fucking love that. Dude. <clears throat> he literally asked me to fight this year. And I just immediately said, no. Oh, thank you. I'm good. Dude, <laughs> when I when I was in Cincy, like goalie covers the park, Turks comes out of nowhere. Like <clears throat> I've never said this. I deliberately turned my back to make oh, it look like I didn't see him on the ice. <laughs> and he, dude, I'm not kidding. He like jabs me in the shoulder. And knocks the wind out of me, and I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the coast is one of those leagues where you got to deal with that shit because, like, you have some of those guys that, like, maybe don't quite have the skill to move up to the, like, you know, the show where like, they can get up in the A and get a pit, and then you got like the old school Gillies guys that was still hanging around, and then like Grat and replaces Gillies and Soko, and like. You're playing against, like, some pretty old-school tough guys, but, like, off the ice, like, I mean, Gillies is a different story. He's an animal, but you hear about so many guys. Like, I played with Powell in Greenville, and he's he's a meat, too, but he's just a great dude, man, like, so laid back. Like, he would literally beat the crap out of two guys in a game, and then we'd be having beers at the apartment, and he's, like, walking around, like, holding his dog, like, telling <laughs> stories, like, the calmest guy in the world. But, but anyways, yeah, how I know Danny is uh, Danny Simon Greenville – 
towards the end of the season, the year that I spent the whole year there, my only year in the league, I only played for one team. And, uh, <laughs> and Danny came in at the end of the year and I'm a big, like, I'm big into like shooting and hunting and like outdoor stuff. And we had a guy down in Greenville um, that had like a 200 yard range on his property and like over 200 acres of land. And was just like, his wife was a big fan of hockey and they were in the booster club and everything. And uh, he was great about having guys over and just letting them sort of decompress and like get away from hockey and like spend some time outside. And I invited Danny over a couple of times and, and you and I ended up kind of hitting it off. I mean, at the end of the day, we haven't spent like a ton of time together, but that's just what we were talking about. Like that's hockey, right? I mean, we're doing the podcast together now. We skated together a few times in the summer, but like we really were only on a team together for like a month. Not even. It was 10 days. Were you really only there for 10 days? It was literally the last 10 days of the season I had. You guys had six games left. Left, I played the final four. Yeah. And put so, up points, dude. You came in and had a good showing, man. Like, yeah. Nice to have you there. We were just – we were – it was the fun league for us. We were getting stomped all the time, but we had a really good group of guys there. You guys did have a good group. But, yeah, no, you, you took me in really nicely. And, um, I, I was, like, super appreciative because you know how it is. Like, I – I hate it. It's the worst thing going into a new room. So you always feel like you have eyes on you, and it's like that's when my anxiety like skyrockets. So um, just having you there to like you know kind of take me in and you know show me around and be a good buddy to me was awesome, and I just like, really appreciated that. I think mean, that's why like we've hung out and skated so many times after that, even though we only knew each other for what ten days. So yeah, no, and and that's another great thing too because we have a mutual friend in Cam, in Cam Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, him and I played juniors together and he's like obviously a guy that I look up to like you know not like physically but he's one of those <laughs> that, uh, you can find somebody to say something bad about him like just a great dude like yeah, off. and him and I were pretty close in junior and, and he gave me a, a call when you signed and said hey like this kid, like, he might take a little time to warm up, but, like, he's a great dude. Like, you know, just keep an eye on him for me. So the first day you came in, you and I started chatting and then ended up spending a good amount of time together, so. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's, he's a great guy. He's one of my best buddies, so. But, yeah, man, I mean, so you talked about, um, like, your senior year of college when you started to kind of recognize some of the stuff that was going on. If you can just kind of talk about, you know, what you noticed. And, I mean, we'll talk about – how you learn from it and how you, you know, um, cope and some of the things that you've done to improve, but just kind of talk about kind of some of the stuff that you went through, um, just, you know, your low points and how you noticed it and all that sort of, you know, stuff. In regards to mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my big battle is just with depression. Like I can't, uh, empathize too much on the anxiety side. Like I have a little bit of it here and there, but mostly, uh, you know, battling with depression is, is built kind of into my family DNA. Like I, I never met my grandmother, my dad's mom. She ended up actually sadly taking her own life when my dad was a kid. Um, big battle with depression and uh, touched my sister a lot and a couple other uh, people in my family. It's just something that, you know, it's not like there was some big life event that, you know, brought it upon me. It's just something I've, I've battled with since, you know, I was probably – 12, 13 years old, but I didn't know what it was. And, and, you know, kind of the funny thing is I'm a big like office nerd, like the show, the office, I absolutely love it. And there's a really good episode where, uh, where Michael is doing like safety training and he's trying to like find a reason to like impress the people at the office. And he starts talking about depression 
And one of the scenes I like most relate to is uh, Dwight and Michael are like doing their speech and Dwight and Michael saying he's battling with depression and Dwight's like, isn't depression just a funny word to say like you're bummed out? And that's so much what I thought it was when I was younger. Like I'd have these days where I just have no motivation to do anything. I'd just be like stuck in my bed and like just have no interest in anything. Like I wouldn't eat or whatever. And I just thought it was like a weird day. Like you're a kid. You don't understand what's mm-hmm. really going on. Like you don't know that, that that stuff's built into your system. And like, I thought it was kind of an odd day in college. My, you know, my parents went through a divorce. There's a lot of stuff going on with my family. And, uh, that really kind of hammered it down and, and, you know, starting like sophomore, junior year, it would happen all the time. Like I was skipping class. I just wouldn't leave my bed all day. I'd literally leave my room to go to practice. And then I'd come back and spend like, I, I wouldn't go to class for days. And luckily I was a philosophy major. So most of my stuff, I could just kind of get by without really being in class. Like it's not like there's structured tests or anything. So I sort of floated through and, you know, and senior year was when I really started to notice it because things started to get really dark. Um, I spent probably two straight weeks in my room, wouldn't get up, wouldn't do a thing all day. Like I said, I'd go to practice and that was it. And uh, I didn't like know who I was. I mean, I had such a tough time through college with like friends and stuff because my whole life I was hopping around because of hockey. Like, I went to three different high schools. Like then I left and went to junior left off and went to college. And like, I never really built up a super strong friend base. And I tried to compensate for that by like trying to make people think I was cool. Like I thought that's like how you made like tight buddies. Like I'd always be the guy that's like one up in stories or whatever. And like, I just, I started to realize senior year, like, man, I've been in my room for a week now. And like, I haven't had someone check in on me and the good side of it was that I learned a lot about myself as a person and how like I carried myself. And I think that's helped me out a ton, but you know, when it really hit bad was when I signed pro because that was right. That was kind of the turning point that got me out of my really bad phase senior year, because like what I've been trying to achieve my whole life, I finally got to like I signed pro like, yeah, it's the coast, but my whole male side of my family played hockey. Like my dad was really, really good growing up, ended up pulling out his knee. My uncle was the starting goalie at uh, UMass Amherst. And then after his freshman year, they cut the season. Like nobody had made, like they cut the program actually. And nobody had made it. I finally signed pro. I know I'm screwed because my classes are in the, in the tank. Like I haven't been to class in two weeks. Like I was, I was laying in bed, like, fighting depression and I sign and leave and go and the first night I'm dealing with I just signed pro I'm nervous about practice tomorrow my coach at Holy Cross is calling me because all my teachers are saying where the hell is Jake like we haven't seen him in two weeks and now we find out he's in you know Atlanta Georgia like what's going on so my coach is blowing me up like you got to come back to school I end up calling my dad like my first night pro freaking out and it was the first time in my life seriously that I addressed my my problems with my family because I said look like I finally got to pro this is where I wanted to be my whole life and everything's falling apart like this is supposed to be such an awesome moment and I'm like worried about you know dropping out of school fucking philosophy dude yeah no no (laughs) kidding but uh I'm like so 
so anyways, what was great was my dad really jumped to my aid. Like he knew it was a big part of our family and like he knew it was a real problem. Like I wasn't, you know, trying to use it as an excuse because depression and, and those issues being addressed was just starting to really become a thing in my eyes. And, you know, he jumped to my side and, and helped out with school. I ended up leaving. So the school worked with me and did a, uh, like basically what's the equivalent of like an excused absence for the semester. And I ended up finishing my classes over the next two summers and finished my graduation and everything. But I had to start taking a, a really hard look at, at what I was battling with. And, uh, you know, one of the big things that I did is start recognizing how to deal with it and knowing when I can and can't go out and have a night. Like I had, you know, I, I would say the peak of it was probably three years ago. Um, I was down in Jersey for the first time in the summer and I was like having, you know, a pretty tough day and uh, decided against my better judgment to like go out with a couple of buddies and was an idiot, dude. Like I was just like, oh, maybe I'll just like drink it off. Like, well, you know how that is. And, yeah. and <laughs> ended up, long story short, <laughs> ended up being woken up by the cops at like 4.30 in the morning on the side of the road. Uh, had no idea how I got there, what was going on. And uh, my dad had to come pick me up in the middle of nowhere, like three police cars sitting there. And, uh, and that's when I was like, all right, this is something I got to deal with. Like, you know, it's not, I can't just tuck it away anymore. And Flo, that's what you and I, you know, talked about a lot. Those late nights we spent in your room in Worcester, just like, you know, really recognizing that like you can't push it aside like whether you get professional help you find buddies you can talk to or you know you listen to a podcast like this and and you start to attack it and you know I've learned a lot about myself and and how to deal with it through things like this because to be honest the guest that you guys had on and Colin Clapton that was so eye-opening for me because him and I were buddies we have a good mutual friend and this kid Nick Nugis and we met and Claps is a guy man like he's like brownie like you couldn't mm -hmm. pay somebody to say something bad about him. Like, everyone yeah. loved that kid. He's the most happy-go-lucky guy I've ever – I don't think I've ever seen him in a bad mood in my life. And I come on and listen to this podcast and hear what he's dealing with, and it's like, man, you sometimes you just never know. Like – You have no clue, some, yeah. Yeah, some people, you know, you spend one night with them and you can tell, hey, they got some stuff going on. And some people, it's just – you'd never have any idea. And I started to realize, like, hey, you know – this is, you know, this is, this kind of stuff is awesome mm -hmm. that it's getting more mainstream because, you know, people are talking about it and it's becoming not weird to say that you battle with it. Like, quite frankly, like I was a little nervous about today. Like this is the first time in somewhat of a public forum that I've addressed this stuff. And, you know, four or five years ago, I would have never done something like this. So I, I think it's huge that it's becoming mainstream and, and people are willing to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think, well, first off, uh, I appreciate you coming on open up because like having you say that, you know, you couldn't see yourself doing this four or five years ago and now doing it like will motivate people that hear it that haven't said anything. But <clears throat> what you said about uh, like putting it off, if you think about it, it's like if you take something little that's, bothering you right think of it as you putting a penny in a jar right yeah over time you keep taking those little things and putting them in the jar 
it fills up. Yeah. And then overflows. And it's the same way we would respond. Like you get to a certain point where we just explode. Yeah. It's like a, like a co- uh, one of those uh, fucking Coke and Mentos. That's how I like felt at yeah. times. Like you just put it, you, you know, you stuff it down and then all of a sudden it just explodes. Yeah. And I mean, shit adds up. Like as little as it, something may be, it fucking it, it like it. It's a powerful thing. Like as little as you may think it is, over time, say you push something down in May, right? Very little thing, but over time you start to, you know, keep adding little things to it. You're gonna get to a point where you're thinking all the way back to me and that thing still isn't addressed. Yeah. And then you're going to start to spiral and it, it, it like shit just adds up and it, it takes over and you, you lose control. Yeah. Well, it's so funny you bring that up too, because well, I guess not funny, but interesting because you know, when, uh, when, when you have those things that pile on top of it, one of the battles that I had for so long was I grew up in a household that was, you know, financially stable, but there were a lot of other things going on among my family. And we always, you know, especially a big lesson I learned from my dad right from the beginning is like, life is hard and you got to deal with stuff all the time. And I didn't recognize the difference between trivial things in life that are difficult that you just have to get through and the mental side of it. And for so long I was putting my depression on my mental side into this is, you know, this is just a part of life that's tough and you just got to get through it. And I had to find, yeah, exactly. I had to find the gap between what things you battle through and what things you really have to address. I just kept tucking it away. And every little thing that would happen, whether it was at school or with hockey or with my family that was feeding into my depression, I was like, all right, well, this is just what I learned as a kid. Like, life is tough. You just deal with it and deal with it. But, you know, so depression and anxiety aren't those things that you can just battle. And, like, for what you were saying, like, adding those pennies to the jar, I spent 12 years just adding pennies and adding pennies because I thought it was something I just had to battle through. And then my senior year – and my, you know, year after that in the summer, like I was talking about, it finally just blew up. And, you know, that's not the way that you want to find out because God forbid something goes really bad. Um, but, you know, luckily enough, I had a couple close buddies and, and family that were willing to work with me. And, and you know, I, I got through it and I'm doing doing a lot better now. I'm, I'm trying to control it and everything. But, you know, because it's something that's built into my DNA – you just wake up with it sometimes or just like the middle of the day, like I'll get off the ice and I'm driving back home and I'm just like, man, like I'm just feeling it. And it's not something that was triggered by something else. Like it did nothing, no big event happened that forced it. It's just something that, you know, you live with. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the biggest things that I loved on like, it was like the second and third episode. I think I honestly forget who it was, but you guys were talking about, you know, things that can be done to help with this. And, and one of your guests mentioned, you know, having somebody on a team that you just have to check in with like once a week. And like, Flo, you were saying, you know, even if you just have to pop your head in and be like, Hey, I'm good. Oh uh, yeah. You know I think it actually, like, I, 
I think it might have been Dog Wally where we were saying like, <clears throat> or I don't know who, but we said like, you know, you have a like not there, but sports psychologist where you have a set time and you know it's a half hour and you know if everything is good, you just still show your face and be like, hey, I'm good. Check in next week and like. Yeah. I want to say that was like Ryan Stuff Bliss, like wasn't that. it? It, it might have been Bliss, yeah. Or, yeah. But either way, I was sitting in my car listening to that interview like, holy shit, that, that's it. Like, obviously there's a ton of things that can be done, but something as simple as that, like when you think about things that can actually be done, it's cost effective for teams because you have to have someone come in once a week. Like, that's you're not cutting a huge paycheck for that. And – it's something that someone like me, if I had the opportunity after a practice where I don't have a lot of homework that night or in pro when you have the whole rest of the day free where maybe I do go in and just shoot the shit to talk and, you know, some stuff I end up opening up and working on it. Like I went so many years having no idea how to cope because I never had something like that. Like that's not something as a kid you want to bring to your parents or you're willing to bring to your parents. You don't want to bring it up with your friends because it's kind of awkward, right? And I just thought, like, that's such a good idea to pop in and check in with somebody because if there is something weighing on you, maybe it gets to something deeper over time. And it's not a big, you know, the guys aren't going to bitch about it because if you're somebody that doesn't battle with this kind of stuff, you just pop in and say, hey, I'm good or whatever, and, and it's over with. Like, it's you know, it doesn't affect the team much. It's cost effective. I, th- I thought that was, you know, just a – awesome idea for guys because that could help out so many guys that were in my position where we didn't really recognize it until almost too late, you know? Yeah. Well, you brought up a lot of really good points, but one that I wanted to quickly touch on was um, <clears throat> that how when you said life is always going to have stuff that's going to bother you and life's going to be hard. Like that's just coming to grips with that, but like not, you have to differentiate when you battle through something like getting cut from a team or getting traded or losing a job, whatever. That stuff is hard life stuff, right? Depression and anxiety isn't just like a hurdle that you have to like, oh, it's just you just chalk it up to life being hard. Like, no, it's something that you need to actually address because there's some stuff that you have to like push through adversity, all that sort of stuff. But it's like depression and anxiety and, and stuff with your mental health isn't stuff that you just say, oh, this is just life's hard because that's when you – the stuff starts to bottle up. So it's just being able to recognize that and differentiate when this is something that needs to be addressed, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Especially within the hockey world, because, you know, it it is such a a culture of like, you know, it's a tough sport and, you know, we're just starting to now get out of like the old school hockey, like, you know, everybody's like nails and you just shoot the shit and have beers (laughs) after games. And like, this is something that would never come up. You know what I mean? Like, So to have, like, now where it's becoming a little bit more mainstream, it, I think is so huge because there are guys that, like I said, like, you know, guys that you would never guess that do battle with it. And it's not, you know, it's not wrong. It's not weird. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, this is built into the DNA of my family. It's just something that we deal with. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, like, there's things we battle through getting traded. Like, when I made the jump to go to Europe, I got traded twice in one day. <laughs> yeah. I got I got traded to Orlando and then they flipped my rights immediately to Tulsa and I'm like, man, what like like what am I doing? Like I need to yeah. I love hockey so much, but there's so much about it that can make you resent it. And I just thought, you know what, for me, 
I love the game. I want to make a living doing it for as long as I can. But on my mental side, it's time. Like, it's time to make the Euro pop. Like, I, I didn't get a look in the A. I was, you know, spent consistently in the coast, and I thought it was time to go to Europe. And honestly, it was a great decision for me. Like, it's a little bit more of a laid-back lifestyle there. But the hockey's still really good. Um, and I think going over there was, was really good for me in a lot of ways. But, but yeah, that's what you talk about. I think so many guys chalk it up to, I'm just having a tough day, and it, and it is what it is. And then you end up, you know, one night where things get really bad. And, and you know, maybe you learn from that, maybe you don't. But stuff like this and this podcast and, and guys like Doc Wally and everything, you know, can make huge strides, even though it's not – necessarily a game-changing thing it's just something you know it's just enough to get you talking and, and that can be you know that can be a huge huge step forward for people yeah and exactly and letting it build up and and um bottling it in and, and trying to cope in ways that you think are just gonna like drown it out for now is the worst path you can go down um yeah. and it's dangerous and it's just not something that you even want to like test because it could take one time for that to be it, you know, which is, yeah. which is, which is like, it's just, it's just nice, you know, um, that if you can have more teams to have someone that they can just simply talk to before a guy like, just tries, just tries to drown it himself, you know, yeah, before it gets to that point, because we've all seen it, you know, and, and like you guys said that you guys opened up with it, with each other, like, just one night together late night and that's how i realized that other guys were going through stuff too just like those late nights getting a guy one-on-one it and it's, it was how nice did that feel like you guys just were able to talk about it it's like all right like, i'm not alone with this, you know so it's like if you can have more resources to talk about that stuff i think it'd be huge just because there's a lot more people who deal with it than, than i think people understand you know and and something the thing people don't understand is that it only takes one sip or, you know, one hit a pot or whatever it is. It all, that's all it takes for somebody to, you know, be going through anxiety or depression and yep. they, you know, take a sip of booze or they do whatever to trigger their mind be like, wow, I feel way better after what I just did and then it becomes a fucking spiral like downward spiral yeah and that and then they're not only dealing with the anxiety and depression they're now dealing with you know food yeah well well yeah because like that becomes your coping mechanism right and then it just brings you down such a this is how I'm gonna deal with it and it only makes things worse like one of the things you know I talk about growing and learning how to deal with this stuff. Like one thing that I've started to do over the last few years is like, if any time in the last week or so I've been, you know, I've been battling with my depression, I don't go out drinking because I had that night where I realized that's it compounds for me so much. Mm -hmm. and, end up, and I think, you know, taking that one little step of being like, Hey, you know, tonight's not the night to go get in one at the bar till three, four in the morning. It's not going to go well. And, but that's all and, it takes. Uh, that's all I it think, takes, dude. Like if you can get yourself to like recognize that and like, you know, you're having a tough week. It is. <clears throat> and 
take it from me, addressing like some sort of issue and, you know, making that decision not to go out or not to drink. Dude, that is the most motivational thing I've ever had in my life. Like, I mean, every day, but like to when it first started where I was like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing this today. The next day, dude, I would fucking, I was invincible. Like, I felt like a million bucks. Like, my, I was, you know, I was motivated. I had positive thoughts. Like, it, it, it goes so, like, and people don't get it. Like, whether you have a drinking problem or not, still making a little change or, you know, some sort of, like, mature decision like that goes so far which is well dude and, and but that's well, huge I mean, not people don't recognize that like you know, the fact you were able to recognize that is unreal and, and it's you know like telling your buddies hey i'm not going out tonight and then they're like oh come on like come on like no i'm and you just have to give them a bullshit reason because sometimes i mean i know i wasn't always open i'm not gonna be like, i'm depressed i don't want to go out and drink because i'm gonna be it's gonna get out of control. That you can't. You, people don't say that. So it's that's that's yeah. All I'm trying to say. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that's unreal that you were able to make like such a hard and mature decision, like for your personal well-being, like consistently make that a staple in like your journey through like you know coping with your mental health. I think it's just unbelievable, and it's like such a great example for those listening. That you know, oh, I yeah, I appreciate it, man, because, you know, the, the time it really hit me was a couple summers ago, my, my girlfriend and I went out and did like a Euro trip. I went and saw one of my buddies who actually moved to Denmark and, uh, my family's Belgian and I, I've always wanted to go to Belgium. So we did just a little puddle jumper and like did two days in Belgium. And I woke up one morning and I just knew I was like, Oh, like today's, it's going to be a long one. But my girlfriend surprised me. She got me a, a beer tour of Brussels and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't not do this. Like, it's a gift. Like, I, I really I want to, but like, this is going to go great. And I ended up saying, screw it. Like, I'm not going to bag out on it. Like, this is a nice gesture by her. So we go. We're at like six different bars. I'm like smashing beers. She's not a big beer drinker, so I'm finishing her stuff too. And it's Belgium, <laughs> so they're all like nine and a half percent beers. And we get back to the hotel that night and do like crash. And it was the first time she saw it in person. We've been together forever, but I just didn't address it because I, you know, how do you tell somebody that? And that night in the hotel was a nightmare. And luckily I was able to start talking to her about that stuff. And that's kind of when I realized like, it doesn't matter the situation. I know myself and I know when I can't go drink it because it's just going to get bad. And ever since then, that's kind of been my thing. I'm like, Hey, if I'm feeling down, it, that's not that's not the way to go and not to get like too soft or anything but and i wasn't built into this culture of hey let's have a chat and then we started to open up about stuff and man the other day when i came over to your house for like you know when you grilled out and we were hanging out with mac dude i yeah. would not have missed that day for anything like we were texting the night before i immediately called my girlfriend at 2 30 in the morning i'm like hey you gotta go over to my buddy's house tomorrow like we have to go like yeah. you don't want to go like I'm going and then I'll come pick you up because I was so pumped man to see that transformation <laughs> of where you are right now and where you were when I knew you in Worcester and I'm like yeah. and this is fucking awesome like because like so many guys know you through the hockey world and through your personal life and like 
it's a it's a first person example of it can be tackled and like those steps can be made because like from where you came from making that jump is dude like it's honestly amazing like I, like i know you had some tough times and to get to where you are now like even just that one little thing of coming over so we can hang out and tell stupid hockey stories and then chill and be able to address this stuff was just i mean it was huge that was the first time i really went through that process with someone where I see them came, come from where I have been and get to where you are now. And like, it's, it, you made a decision and ran with it and like, look at how you're doing now. Like things are awesome. <clears throat> not what I understand. Yeah. No, I, uh, well, first I appreciate that. Cause I'll tell you <clears throat> right now, hand in hand, dude, it's, uh, it, you still hear both? Yeah, yeah. My mom's beeping in, and I can't hit the con because my blocked off. <laughs> no, it's, um, no. I appreciate that because I'll tell you right now, dude. I, I've had injuries. I've been depressed. I have anxiety. But like, when it comes to you know not drinking, be the first one to tell you it's a fucking everyday battle and like <clears throat> you know there's so many people that I have in my corner that if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be able to do it but like um like my mom is like my rock when it comes to everything cause uh I mean I think she's 13 years <laughs> so I'm like 13 years, like, like, I, I, I can fucking handle it. And, you know, she's been my backbone and, uh, it, it, like, <clears throat> I can joke around about it. Like I can be around everything, but like, <clears throat> if you asked me in Worcester about where I would be six months from that day. Yeah. I wouldn't fucking – I would never have guessed or said, uh, you know, I'm going to be here. And no, you know, for sure. It, 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 and, like, obviously having this podcast has been, you know, my saving grace basically because, you know, it, it, it allows me to talk about it. And, like, you know what? People are going to fucking – Say something, be like, "Oh, you, you did this, you did that, blah blah blah." Like, go fuck yourself. All right, no kidding. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I, I'll deal with whatever I have to deal with, but like, at the end of the day, like, I don't give a fuck what anyone has to say because, you know, I, I took shit in my own hands. I did what I had to do but I also did what I wanted to do yeah. and you know it was the best decision in my life and like you know people slip up people you know fall off and you know it is what it is but you gotta start somewhere and just addressing it and you know got to the point where I was like you went to Europe like you and I were kind of in the same boat. We were getting scratched, and I was like, 
dude, this is like, what the fuck is going? Like, this shouldn't be how it is. But I also wasn't realistic with myself. Like, just I wasn't helping myself. Like, I wasn't doing the right thing. Like, I was get like I wasn't eating right. I wasn't doing all that bullshit. And you know, I I I'm not like a religious person, but like, you know. I can say, oh fuck! Thank, thank God, I did what I did because, you know, I was being a shitty, a shitty son, a shitty brother, a shitty friend. Like, I, I wasn't being me, and yeah. you know, I'm at a point now where I can be like, all right, yeah, I, I, I miss. I'll hundred percent say, yeah, I fucking miss going out with the boys, <laughs> but like. <clears throat> I'm way happier. I can bend down without my like they're about to pop. Like everything in my life has been so much better since I made the hardest decision of my life. And at the end of the day, nobody can take away. Like, yeah. I fucked up and, you know, I didn't do the right thing, but nobody can take away from me the progress that I've made. Yeah. And if they got something to say, so be it. I fucking dare, I dare you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come, like, say what you want to say. Like, I don't give a fuck. Well, dude, if you... Oh, I didn't mean to tell you, but no, there's two, there's two huge talking points there. And one of them is something that I had to learn too, of not really caring what people think, because when you start worrying about that, that's when you start not addressing your mental problems, because you're worried about what is it going to look like? Are the guys in the team going to look differently at me? And then, you know, in so many words, the other side of it is hockey's a tough sport to battle with a mental illness because there's such a community of, you have a Saturday game, you got Sunday off of practice, you can go out and have beers with the boys. And no one wants to be the guy who doesn't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one wants yeah. – <laughs> I do now. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I'm saying, though, is like, you're. it's honestly, you know, the reason it's so awesome that you've made that step is because, you know, you think about when guys say – everybody talks hockey in the hockey world, right? And, and you talk about your mutual friends, and no one wants to be the guy I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a good dude, but like – you know, he didn't really hang out with the boys much or anything. Or, like, you know, he'd, he'd pop over and do the Irish exit after 20 minutes. Like, you don't want to be that guy. But you also have to know that it doesn't really matter. Like, I was so worried through college, dude. I had so, like, I only talked to a few guys from college because I hadn't figured that out yet. And I didn't know who I was and what I was battling with. And I took it out in my relationships. Like, I was just trying to be – I was like, you know what? If I don't know how to navigate this stuff – I'm just going to go down the route of following everything coach says, just playing hard every day, coming to practice, and that's it. And I ended up, like, isolating so many people on the team because I really didn't know how to deal with it. And where I've come to now is, like, man, just be me. Like, if I want to go out and have a time with the boys and I know that I can do that, great. If I can't, no one that you're close with, whether your teammates or not, is going to look down on you for that. And I think that's kind of the – the big eye-opening step that I made is just, you know, one night going out and having beers when I know I, I'm not I, – I shouldn't really because the state that I'm in just isn't worth it. And, 
you know, the friend side of it is so big because if I had, you know, if I knew how to deal with it earlier on, I would have had those guys that would have been able to come in and say, Hey, like what's going on? Like, you know, yeah. you haven't been passing a few days or, you know, you're, you're boozing every night in your room and stuff. And like, then maybe you address it earlier, but, and, and that's why honestly, it's so awesome that you guys are doing this podcast because it does open up to that. Hey, maybe I should check in on this guy. Like I'm listening to interviews where, guys make strides from a buddy coming to them and addressing it like that just never had happened before so you know i start thinking like hey maybe i'll check in on this guy and then he'll come back and, and check on me at some point like it's not soft and i hope i call and they're just like oh i'm doing great man and we shoot the shit but you give that opening to start saying hey you know yeah i, I am battling a little bit like you know, let's, let's get off topic and let's just chat and, you know, clear my mind. Like that would be, you know, that would have been so huge for me earlier in my life, which is why I think talking about this stuff is so big because like you said, you know, this isn't something that I would have done with some, with guys that I didn't know. And that's why, even though you're doing this at, you know, more of a level where guys played ECHL and it's not, you know, guys making millions of dollars playing top level sports, because that's where it was okay at the beginning. Whereas now I got two of my buddies, like, you know, it's you guys, I can come and chat with you guys. And, and, you know, that's a big step for me. This is the first day ever in my life that I've addressed this in a public forum. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it felt a little weird, like telling you guys I wanted to do this and, and come on and chat with you. But now it's just, you know, it's a part of my life. And, and I think that uh, being able to be open with it, you know, helps out so much like, Oh, you and I got, this is really how we bonded. Like, yeah, nice. no, it's crazy, dude. Yeah, the nights we became close buddies, we're sitting in your apartment in Worcester, just shooting the shit and then telling stories about dumb stuff that we did when we were more recently than not. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, so yeah, and, and that was big. Like, you know, those like I have friends that I've had since I was a kid that I never talked about this stuff with. And here I am with Flo, who was trying to knock my head off a year ago. And <laughs> we're telling stories about, you know, tough nights that we had. Like, that's awesome, really. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel like that's how, <clears throat> like, the closest bonds that you have in life kind of develop. Like, <clears throat> uh, Matt, like Mac and I, Tom McKenzie, like, yeah. The kid, uh, he's pretty much a brother to me. And, like, I'll tell you right now, our friendship didn't start off, like, in a normal way. It was one of those nights where we were crushing beers in college freshman year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just being idiots. Yeah. And, like, we opened up to each other and, like, I'll tell you right now, he, he, like, that kid has gone through hell and back. And, um, he, he, he's just a fucking warrior. And, you know, that's kind of how our relationship, like, took off. Like, we we're immediate roommates for four years in college. And, like, I'll tell you right now, there's been times where I would want to square up with this kid and just beat the wheels off him. Yeah. <laughs> and there's video of him and I, like, being held back from each other. But, like, he's probably 
one of the best friends that I have ever had. And, like, I can't say enough good things about him. But, like, <clears throat> everything started from, you know, crushing beers at fucking yeah. 2 a.m. freshman year. Like, he's eight, I'm 18. He's 21. But, you know, he – He's gone through his shit. I've gone through mine, but we're just, you know, opening up to each other for some odd reason. And you know, <laughs> he calls me. He's like, uh, "Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, I'm gonna have you at my wedding one day." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I don't know. You're such an asshole, but you know, I love you." <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, that's fine. You're an asshole too. Go fuck yourself. Like that's just how it is. And like, I mean, you know, Mac, Mac. You know, he's gone through a bunch of shit, and you know, he's an awesome guy. Like, he may be, you know, moody some days, but like the end of the day, he could be at his worst day. I call him and I'm like, "Yo, I need you." He'd be there in a second, and yeah. it's like. I go back thinking about like where it all started and I'm like crushing beers. Yeah. And you know, like now, like I'm not like yeah, I don't drink, but like I'm not that guy that's like, Oh, drinking's bad, blah blah blah. Like I still go hang out with my buddies, like watching UFC fights or hockey and like whatnot, like because at the end of the day, I think back to how <laughs> some of my closest, like, most, like, trustworthy friendships developed. Yeah. And it was, you know, booze and crushing beers at 3 a.m. And I wouldn't change my path. I wouldn't change a fucking thing about it, and I wouldn't trade it for the world because... You know, it set me back hockey-wise, but, you know, hockey eventually is going to come to an end. But the yeah. the friendships and the bonds that you build throughout all of it, you can't get that shit back, dude. You can't fucking go back and, like, change something when it comes to that. Like, it's just – it's crazy. So, you like, going back to what you said, like, I wouldn't change a fucking thing, dude. Like, yeah, it set me back in hockey, but twenty-five, dude. Yeah, the kid's a young, yeah, a young really. bull. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it, right? And it gets you know. I don't want to drag this out too much. I'm Danny on the editing table for three days, but um, but you know, it's those. It's this normalizing culture that lets you lets you take that step, and and you don't want to. Even what's so funny about it is even now that it is being more normalized, and I'm coming on the podcast and stuff, I still feel weird saying some things like this because, like, like we've said, hockey is that tough guy culture where you know you, you have a persona. And, you know, nothing's supposed to affect you when you take stuff on the cheek and just keep fighting. So it feels weird saying something of, like, good to build this culture because we have this background that, like, saying something like that feels soft. Like, oh, like, dude, like, dude, like deal with it. Like, you're fine. Like, I had a buddy in college. I'm not going to drop any names or anything, but, like, who, who had a, a big issue where every time we went out, I was just taking care of him. 
like always causing problems at parties because of drinking and like every night I was I was playing middleman trying to calm down the owners of the house and he just punched a hole in the wall and like <laughs> and, and crazy nights like that built our friendship up so much that I was able to eventually come to him and say hey man like you know you gotta you gotta attack this like there's a difference between going out and having a few beers and watching the game with the boys and getting sideways <laughs> yeah Dumping out buckets of paint in people's basement because like <laughs> you drop two beers and you're freaking out. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's how you're coping with stuff. And like, that's not all right. Like, you got to address it. But that's not something that's normal to do, especially with a close buddy. That's a weird conversation to have. Whereas now it's not so much anymore, and that's huge because, like I said, if I had someone come to me and say, "Hey, man, like, there's something going on with you," like whether you want to go talk to someone or you just want to talk to me, like, you know, there's clearly, you know, you're dealing with something. Maybe I recognize it earlier. And like you said, Flo, I wouldn't change anything either, but we're also lucky in a space that we were able to deal with it. Like, you know, for some people it ends up really going off the deep end, but at the same time, like they're learning experiences, right? If I didn't have that night where I get woken up by the cops and my dad comes and picks me up and I have to finally really get into what I'm dealing with, maybe I don't. And maybe right t- right now today I'm in the same spot I was five years ago, um, and, and and that's why this stuff is so awesome. And like you know, Danny, I'm sure you have you know somebody that you went through like you know these kinds of things with. But you know, being able to just have a couple of buddies that you know you can address it with and start to deal with it, it is so big. But uh, no, I think we're taking big steps forward. It's awesome to hear that everyone's doing good, and and, and uh, you know. Hockey and in in this life is something that's just built into us, man. Like, I'm 28. I'm still playing. Like, I slept in a courtyard Marriott last night because with, with COVID going on, there's nowhere to rent a house. I'm playing minor league hockey, so I don't have a ton of money to, like, buy a place that I have all year when I'm gone eight months out of the year. And I'm, like, living life as a nomad right now, just figuring it out day by day. But I love it, man. Like, it's, it, it, you know, it's my life. I fucking love the game. I love being around the that's boys sick. and, like – that's learned to like. start dealing with my depression and like I'm happy, man. It's been awesome. You're firing me up, Paul. You're firing me up right now. Like 2 p.m. yesterday, I didn't know where I was going to bed. Fucking sleeping in a hotel. I love it. Let's go. Yeah, dude, that would have spiraled me. Man, five years ago, if two o'clock in the afternoon, I literally was like homeless. I would have been a I would have been a basket case. Yeah, but you know what? You learn from that shit, and you like now you can break. This is like the lifestyle that you have to do, and not everyone cut in, like to, the, to this mold to handle this shit. But you know, you are, and like we all are, and we just love it. The things we do for this game is that's sick. I fucking love that. Ball. No, I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, before we uh, end, I'm gonna quote. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Captain uh, Cincy. Yeah. And it kind of applies to just like uh, the lifestyle that we live in, you know, in the coast. Whenever it came to putting money on the board, um, <laughs> he'd always put the most money up. And <laughs> as he's writing it, he'd just say, I hate money, but I love the boys. <laughs> 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 Uh, Justin Vive, uh, <laughs> you know, every time he writes money up on the board, you know, um, and I, and it's obvious to see that, um, you know, he means what he says and, you know, that's kind of applies to the lifestyle that we have as 
you know, guys in the coast or like Europe, like unless you're in the A or the show, like we don't do it for the money. Like we make fucking we make fucking squirrel food. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're doing it for the money. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> like if you think <clears throat> I don't like, I play hockey because I fucking love hockey. It has changed my life. It's opened so many doors and met so many good people from it that you no, know, I'll fucking I'll take eating out of a box from fucking Jimmy John's for the rest of my life if that means playing hockey and um, you know having the friends that I do have as well as you know obviously my family but like the memories that I've made and as well as the friendships like take my fucking money I don't care like <laughs> I don't care but, well, man, I think that's um, a good. Yeah, I think that's a good closing point because you know basically all I wanted to get on here today and, and be able to address was like you know like be be who you are and and you know fight your own battles and then use people to to help you deal with that. But at the end of the day, like man, we're all college grads that could be doing regular quote unquote regular jobs, <laughs> making good yeah, money and like exactly. quote unquote you know normal life, but. This is something that we love. People ask me all the time, like, you graduated from Holy Cross, man. Like, most of your buddies are making six figures living in the cities. And, and I'm like, man, that's, that's not something that I want to do. Exactly. And that's not what's going to make you happy. I love the game so much. <laughs> like, yeah. Am I, like, bar, you know, sleeping on people's couches and, like, you know, calling my dad up and saying, hey, I need a place to crash tonight, like, in the summer times? Yeah. And sometimes it's <laughs> miserable, of course. But I would do anything to stay in the game. And I think it's just like a good metaphor. Like, you know, I obviously wish I didn't battle with my depression, but it is a part of my life and you, and you take it day by day and you run with it, which is just what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, this is awesome. I know I've said it like six times, but uh, <laughs> you guys having me on and, and you guys have had some awesome guests and, you know, taking this much time out of your day for next to no financial compensation for this is, is awesome. Cause you know, it shows that you guys are, you know, care to make these moves and, and you care about your guys and, you know, from the second I found out about this, you guys were like, yeah, well, you know, we'll have you on and we're happy to do it. And, and, uh, and it's been awesome. I hope you guys keep it up. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Paul. Team. Thanks again for coming on here and talking to us. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped that uh, you make the right strides to handle, you know, what you're going through the right way and the steps you've taken. So, you know, that's awesome. I'm, I'm pumped for you. So, yeah, thanks, Ross. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, I think going back to what you said, you just got to be you. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. And at the end of the day, I think uh, we're going to be able to look back and say that it wasn't always fun or easy, but was it worth it? Yeah. Fucking right there was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, but, hopefully, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to get all the way up to you, Danny, but hopefully before I head out, I can get back up towards the city flow and we can uh, and catch up. And uh, Wake up, love, dude. Yeah, I'd love to come back by. But, boys, thanks again. This is yeah. great. And, uh, sure. yeah, let me know if you ever need anything. Sounds good, Bolts. Thanks, Bolts. See you, Bolts. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, see you, yeah. West.